Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Elizabeth Pralett. She is a strength and conditioning coach. How's it going, Elizabeth? Good. How are you? I am. I am good. I am very curious. I've had a lot of um, health and fitness people on lately, uh, more than usual. Uh-huh. Like this is kind of it's a new interest for me. How long have you been doing this? Um, I've been actually training and have been a coach for the last five years. That's uh, considerable compared to mine. <laughs> um, and then I started, I've, I've always been athletic, but I started weightlifting about eight years ago. So how did you go from training to trainer? Um, well, <laughs> I was in nursing school at the time. I'd gone back for a nursing degree. Before that, I was always in the business world to some degree. Um, and so I went back for nursing. And while I was doing that, I went in and my husband actually wasn't feeling well. So he needed a trainer. And he had said, I don't know if this is the time to preface this, but I weighed 80 pounds at the time. I'd been anorexic most of my adult life. Um, and he said, you're always, you're the one that always wanted a trainer. I'm not signing up unless you do. So I, that's how I started weightlifting um, and getting away from the cardio stuff. And then um, I just... I was in nursing school and I wanted to be in the gym. I didn't, I didn't want to, I'm not really the patient care side of things wasn't for me. And I just, I just wanted to spend 24 hours a day in the gym. So that's kind of when I started thinking, maybe that's what I need to be going back to school for. Wow. Well, you made, you made the, the uh, anorexia conversation really easy to transition (laughs) to. But we'll get to that in one second. Um, yeah. Okay. So you're you you started your own business out of this. I did. And I'm told that that took off. That your personal drive. The person who introduced us tells me that your personal drive, your personality, made that business happen very quickly. It did much faster than I think anyone expected it to. Uh, from Certainly. what I've read on your blog, that's true of just about everything you do. Um. Yeah. You, yeah. You push. You push hard. <laughs> you don't know when to stop. I don't. I view it as. Well, I don't know. I don't know that I. I don't really know when to stop. I don't understand. I don't. Well, I see obstacles and I panic over obstacles. I have high anxiety. I see an obstacle and I panic, but then I very quickly go, "Okay, how do we get around this obstacle?" Um, and in my head, I'm a very visual person in my head. That obstacle is always a cliff. And at some point, if if there's something barreling down you and you're standing at a cliff, you just have to jump. So I take a big breath and I jump. Yeah. That's my life. That is, um, uh, a personality trait that leads to gambling problems. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't gamble because. Because I would never win that one, but I gamble with my life, and that always turns out pretty well. So thus far, sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's put in. We'll we'll come back to the lifting because that is something I'm curious about. But to mm-hmm. put in perspective, eighty pounds. How tall are you? I'm five one. Eighty pounds and five one. That is that is thin. 
Um, so I dated someone with anorexia unbeknownst to me at the beginning, mm-hmm. but at the end, but I still don't know a lot about eating disorders in general. What, what is, what is the part of anorexia that I probably don't know? There's a lot about it. I don't know. Um, the, for me, I can only speak from my experience and everyone may have similarities, but everyone has a unique, independent experience. Um, for me, I always say it was because, like, you'll hear a lot, it's about control issues. Maybe that is, I like, I like, jumping off a cliff is very much a way for me to be in control of my destiny, even though you never know where you're going to land. Um, so maybe it is related to control issues, but for me, I always saw it as I wanted to become as invisible as I felt. Like, that's just the base of how I describe it. Um, and I think I've mentioned to you, I don't describe it to a lot of people. I certainly have a very small, safe group that I talk about this with. Um, but that's how I was, I was the only girl. I was the youngest in my family and in a family that, that appreciated boys. Um, and then, you know, there's just, that's kind of how my life has kind of been built or that's how I viewed my life, whether or not that's the reality of the situation. It it doesn't matter what the reality is. That's how I viewed it. Um, so I just, I wanted to be as invisible as I felt. And so that the only way I could do that was to stop eating, to become smaller. So I'm told that. Well, I guess I've read that anorexics and bulimics have very um, skewed self images, like they don't see in the mirror what everyone else is seeing. Yeah. Did you feel invisible even as you grew to a point of emaciation? No, I couldn't. Uh, no, I could not get. Um, I I would always, I would always see that I needed to lose more. I needed to lose more. I never saw what other people saw. Because you still had uh, bone marrow and organs left? Right, right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to it, to try to sleep at night. I would sit there and I would feel my ribs and count them. And some people count sheep. I counted my ribs. Um, and then, yeah, th- I would like to stand in the mirror and see if I could count them without feeling them. Just see if I could see them. Um And yeah, I mean, you know, you pinch yourself and granted that skin, all I was pinching was skin, but I was pinching too much. Um, So, right. The, um, so I don't know if that answers your question, but yes, yes. Uh, Like to me. Okay. So I'm an addict. I've, I've, you know, been in 12 steps and I understand how what I do relates to control issues, Uh, just being Mm -hmm. able to uh, feel some semblance of control over my own life. I've known cutters, uh, people with eating disorders, people who all take that, take a different route to getting to that sense of control. Yeah. So how did you begin recovering? What What was the first step you took towards conquering an eating disorder um well when we well you know i've been to the doctor and i've been hospitalized i've been a nutritionist none of that none of that spoke to me 
um, everyone has to have their moment, right? The um, so my my moment was, and anyone out there who's thinking about becoming a trainer or starting training or whatever, don't do this. Don't do not do this, <laughs> especially to another human being. But when I went in and was having my first assessment to be a trainee, um, I in order to get his point across to me, the trainer took, so I weighed 80 pounds, the trainer took a 45-pound barbell and put it on my back and told me to squat. Um, and I fell over. Now, no, you never take <laughs> weights. You never do that to a human being, right? Like, I should have just snapped in half. Um, that was extremely dangerous. But I fell over. And he had said, he said something, he had started laughing. And he said, this is where, um, I forget exactly what he said. But I looked at him and I said, nobody tells me I can't do anything. I'm going to lift every damn weight in this place. Um so that really, that kind of put a light bulb moment on and he saw, I do credit him with saving my life. Even He had no idea he was doing this at the time, but um, he saw how driven I was. And every time I walked into the gym, so you, when you set up with a personal trainer, you meet with them, what, twice a week. Um, and I was going in every single day and every single day he'd meet me at the front door and say, what did you eat today? And if I said nothing, he would send me home. And that would be devastating. Um, and then to kind of show him, I'd started bringing my lunch to the gym and eating it in the lobby area. <laughs> See, I'm eating. Are you happy yeah. now? <laughs> and then I'd go back and I'd lift. <laughs> so really just I needed someone. I needed to kind of hit a wall. Um to see that there's something that I can't do because I'm very, I don't do, I don't like having limits, whether that's getting smaller or lifting weight. I don't like having limits put it, on me. This might be a sensitive question, but when you felt you, you had to eat in order to accomplish what you wanted to, to accomplish, were you able to keep it down? Um, yes. Most okay. of the time. Okay. The, what the biggest thing was when I started to shift my perspective, I had to find safe foods. And when you look at extremely clean eating, if you look at the paleo diets or the you know any of those things, they're very. I had chicken and I had broccoli, three meals a day, every single day of the week. But I think so I started boring. off with meals, <laughs> but I could control that right, and it yeah. was calories that I could take in. To get what I wanted. So it was very safe. It was very controlled. Um, yeah, it was. So clearly your your doubt over anorexia being a, a control issue thing was eventually. It was... I, I hope you, at that point you were able to see <laughs> that you had control issues. I don't think it was until people started saying you really need to expand your diet a little bit. <laughs> um... <laughs> Hey, uh, some people drink Soylent three times a day, so I got into cooking personally. That's worked out well for me. But anyway, okay, so you went from that point to like falling over with a 45-pound weight um, to 
I I believe you you would classify yourself as a power lifter now, wouldn't you? Now I do, yes. So was this how 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 long did the transition from unable to support one of the lightest uh like uh one of my bars to being a power lifter take you? Um I want to say see I was with Alex for about I want to say about 9 months. Jeez. <laughs> what? <laughs> you you do things fast. You you have um a personality that does I don't know if it's that you don't know when to stop. I think you just don't know that there's a time to stop. I think you just always see it as this could go on forever. I need to get there as quickly as possible. I'm not diagnosing you. I'm I'm that's actually a question. I have a habit of stating questions as statements. Yeah, that's fine. Hey, if you can diagnose me, I'm all for it. I've always been looking for answers. I am 100% unqualified for that. (laughs) I don't care. Um, (laughs) I think I I don't know when to stop. Well, when I started, so my first transition was into the world of CrossFit, which is becoming more mainstream. So most people probably know what that is now. I think, yeah. Um, when I started in CrossFit, not everybody knew what that was. But so that was my first. That was, and it is still my first love, but I have an injury and I cannot participate anymore. Um, but oh, I have such a sad life. The, <laughs> the, um, so I went into CrossFit and I, the time limit on that, because I really wanted to, I wanted to make the games. I at least wanted to make regionals. And so you're looking and I was, what, 35 at the time when that became my goal. Um, And so in the world of powerlifting or in the world of athletics, I can say I very much felt like my time was limited because you have 20 and 21 year olds that I'm trying to compete with. Um, And I might not know limits very well, but I do know that at 35, it's hard to compete with a 21-year-old. Now, I was. I was hanging. I was keeping up. I was doing beautifully. Thank God for my body because I should have had more injuries than I have had with the deteriorated state that I came in with. But but I just have always felt like there's this time on it. And yes, you can compete in the Masters. Who wants to do that? Like, you have to admit that you're getting old in order to compete in the masters. And, and I'm not ready to do that yet. I, uh, I could totally at 38, I could demolish 21 <laughs> year old me. Oh, I could too. I could crush her <laughs> with my thumb. <laughs> exactly. But I understand that there are 21 year olds who are far more driven and took way better care of themselves than me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, this- this past summer, one of the smartest things I did is one of my college girls came home and um, I made her my training partner and we were doing strong woman events. And that was probably one of the best things I did for my personal training because I was keeping up with someone again. Well, that's an interesting point. Do, does your for for me, my control issues meant that I never played well with others. Uh, I felt they were oh, too yeah. variable in my life. Do, do, do you find that competition, is it teamwork or is it competition or is it both? I 
don't do team. I don't do teamwork well. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do individual, like, even in high school, what I played tennis and I ran track and I did individual things. Yep. Um, yeah. Mountain biking the, and track. You didn't have to depend on anyone else. You never had to pass right. anything unless you were uh-huh. a relay. Um, so, but, and I think having Hannah have been my client and now she's my training partner, there still was like, and we were training with my coach. Um, so it was still very much my thing. Um, but you know, I known her, I knew her well enough to know she'd show up. We weren't, we were competing against each other to a degree in a friendly way as friendly as I can compete. <laughs> um, but it also, I think, huh, this is really interesting. I'm starting to analyze myself. But when I'm also trying to be a role model to these younger women, um, so that kind of does keep me in line and keep me in check. And I will say even today, I, I have my days where I don't want to eat or it's nine o'clock and I realize I haven't eaten because I still don't have a hunger mechanism that triggers. Um, so they very much keep me up because I'm very aware that I need to be modeling behavior for them all the time. I'm always aware of it. And so do they know if I'm eating when I'm at home? No, they don't know. But in my head, I have to. So, so I think having her as my training partner was helpful because I was still modeling behavior. That's kind of amazing to me because like anorexia or even addiction, they're not uh, necessarily conscious decisions, but to be able to overcome them. I mean, that's basically sheer willpower. That's impressive (laughs) to me. That's very impressive. Oh, that's a personality type. I don't know. (laughs) It doesn't work for everyone. I would not, I would not meet, Somebody, I would not have someone that comes to me that's dealing with anorexia and say, what do I need to do? I would not give them my path. I would give them the number of a professional because I'm, I'm not, it's not my area of expertise. I've just been there. I can give her my experience. I can talk to her. I can support her, but I would still send her to a professional. It's not everybody's way. Here's how I can relate to that. I am a computer programmer. I uh-huh. am almost entirely self-taught. I've been doing it my whole life. I, I find complex and difficult ways to learn things. And I don't learn from videos. I don't learn from reading. I only learn by doing. So yeah. I, I have enough of a voice out on the internet that people regularly come to me and say, how do I get started? How do I do what you do? And I never give them my path because it works for so few people. Mm -hmm. I will refer them to people who actually, you know, from the beginning study the proper way to do it and, and then execute it because that's something I'm incapable of. I have learned, um, (laughs) I learned the proper way after I learned the wrong way, Um, Uh but I can't learn the proper way until I learn the wrong way. So for me to give advice, for me to answer the question they're asking, um, I, my answer would be, if I were being honest, uh, just it's basically a suicidal kind of just do it wrong until you get it right 
which is a frustrating answer, I think, for most people. Um, I I agree. And when people to ask me about my business model or something like that, you would not. Well, here's an example. One of the moms, when I came over to my own studio, one of the moms had said, um, you're a role model for our daughters. And I thought to myself, well, thank you. But if your daughter had said, you know, I'm just leaving the safety of this gym and I'm going to start my own, like you wouldn't without any plan, I'm just going to go ahead and do this because that's what I need to do. You would not encourage your daughter to do this. My you, mom, you probably would wouldn't encourage, encourage your daughter to do that. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so I find it interesting that people will say you're a role model. And I'm like, you don't want your kids doing what I'm doing. Or you don't want them getting there by doing what you did. Exactly. Because uh, I, I hear the same thing frequently, and I'm like, there are there are better ways to get to where I am. Yeah. There are smarter, easier ways. Yeah. If you, if you can do them. In but, safer ways. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, in my case, it, there's less physical potential for physical in, in, injury than your way. But um, so... You talked about uh, you started it with uh, you grew up in a family that that liked boys. Yeah. Um, And then one of the things that you do now is is work on or at least talk about. And I don't know what the extent of this is, but the lack of support for uh, in high school and college given to female athletes. Yeah. Tell me. Let's go back to the the family situation if that's all right what does Mm -hmm. it mean that that they like boys did they discourage or just fail to encourage um well i think it's interesting uh i well okay let's go back to let's go back to when i was really young and i really i love baseball i i'm a huge baseball fan um the and so of course the boys were in little league and played baseball through school. And I really wanted to join. A lot of my girlfriends were on the, the peewee league. So I I don't even know what they call them anymore. I'm so old. The, um, but we, I was not allowed to do it because girls don't play baseball. Um, and so that's just one example of girls just don't. So running tennis, um, I, 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 basketball was fine. Um, until, until I was, I, and I quit basketball myself. One is one of those team sports, but two, I went from being the middle to all of a sudden in one year, everyone passed me and they put me at guard. Cause you know, I went from being the tallest girl on the team to the shortest. And I hated that. Um, so I quit. <laughs> Cause why not? Um, the, uh, but so that was probably the only boy sport I was allowed to participate in. Huh. Otherwise, yeah. So, so there was a certain amount of discouragement, but most mostly it just wasn't encouraged. Um, and to be fair, I'm not a gifted athlete. Like I was not the best tennis player on the on the team, um, and I was a pretty good runner. But the but my oldest brother is was a star, was a baseball star. He was a baseball star, um, and my middle brother went to state all four years for track um, or and cross country. 
Um, so, you know, they, they, they had encouragement. I just wasn't allowed to participate. Wow. Um, I will, I will tell you that I quit. Okay. So I was, I started with T-ball when I was young Mm -hmm. and the problem was always that I took failure very hard. If I struck out or well, you can't strike out in T-ball, this is later. But if I. <laughs> you weren't paying attention. <laughs> I think you get points if you can strike out in T-ball because that is not easy. But like if, if I got, you know, if I was tagged out on my way to first base, like I would cry like I wouldn't be able to help it. I would be very hard on myself. And that does not go over well in male dominated sports. Um, I eventually started playing softball and where I lived outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, that was actually, it was a very mixed team, about half and half boys and girls. And I became one of the best pitchers in the league. And I would again, be very hard on myself. I did not, I did not take throwing, you know, a foul or if someone got a, a hit into a home run off of me. Um, I took that really hard. Like it would destroy me for the whole game. And I would sit at home and I would do like visual visualization exercises that I read about in a baseball magazine and, and then go in. Did they work for you? Um, who knows? I, I was pretty good at fast pitch softball. (laughs) I, I don't know if I improved myself in that way, but I think just the focus I put into it, was probably mm-hmm. good for me. But then I moved to Minnesota where softball was for girls and girls played slow pitch softball with a minimum six foot arc. And Ugh. I wasn't interested in trying to uh, flaunt the system in that case. So from then on, yeah. I went into individual sports, but basically I quit for feeling like there was a game I couldn't win or enjoy. I almost quit softball so many times. I almost quit at T-ball. Somehow, uh, my parents did not care about sports. Anyway, oh. enough about me. Let's move on now. So that when you were young, you, you the one sport that you were interested in was considered a boys' sport, and due to lack of encouragement, you moved on. Right. I I don't think I ever played until my nephew got his t-ball set up when he was three or four. I never played baseball. Um, uh, I also throw in that I tried to play tennis Yeah, and I got in a fight <laughs> and I hit a kid over the head with a, one of those U-locks from a bicycle and nice. I was banned from that country club forever. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if I would have been good at tennis. <laughs> this is fun. Um, <laughs> okay. So, so then moving on, how did that affect your, uh, your athletic uh, future? Um, uh, so I ran, um, and then, and I developed, I don't even think that I liked it for a long time. I didn't like it. Um, the, for a long time, I didn't like it. And then, but I kept doing it cause I used to love it. I used to love it. Um, so I just kept doing it, knowing that someday I would fall in love with it again. Um, same thing. So I don't know if you, 
can understand this, but with the anorexia, there comes a point sometimes when you're absolutely starving and you're so, I, I would feel so happy. Like there's got to be some kind of chemical release in the brain, um, something that kept me going um, because it, it, would, it made me happy to be too thin. The, uh, it, in a very real drugged out sense of the word. And then running used to bring me that. And so I, I just kept doing it, knowing that that would happen again. Um, and the two, the anorexia and the running go hand in hand very much for me. Um, and it did. It came back. I started to love running again. Um, so so I'm glad I stuck with it. I, I guess it's just that I never quit thing. Um, so. <laughs> See, well, that's where it's impressive. Uh, because overall, it sounds like your personality doesn't like to play games you can't win. Right. So uh, I kept playing the game. But did you have a sense that you were eventually going to win? Or was that the drive? You you knew you could eventually win? I, I think so. Um, yeah, I think so. I can relate to the running euphoria. And I can relate to a lot of euphorias i did not realize that there was a euphoria like a positive reinforcement involved with eating disorders but i think i i can imagine i mean you said you got the same thing from running and i've had runner's highs so yeah yes it is it is the very same huh. uh very similar um so just that joy. And so I'd get that joy back. And I would wind up like I would go out. I'm going to go out for a quick run and 15 miles later. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And then when I started lifting, of course, that was feeding into the anorexia, too. And when I started lifting is when the running that I had a coach that took took running out of my program. He would not let me run. Why? Um, yeah. So. That was, I mean, on one hand, it's burning up muscle. So it's not really progressing my my career as a lifter. Um, Running burns up muscles? Yeah. Just because of the calorie expenditure? Correct. Okay. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you can't be a cardio and a strength athlete at the same time. You just can't. Um, the, the two go hand in hand and they help each other, but I didn't need any more help running. <laughs> um <laughs> So what I was, I'd, I'd put on two pounds of muscle and then I'd burn it all up by going for a run, <laughs> a short little run. So um, the, so I very much had to make a choice there. Um, and, but yeah, so I, you know, but I really wanted to get that up. And I know this is a long way back to where we started, but. That's um, what this show is about. Oh, good, good. The um, that it was an approved sport in my household, and it was something that I enjoyed for the most part. We lived out in the middle of nowhere in the country in the middle of nowhere, and you could run for hours and just be happy and lost in the trees in the farmland away from life and home. So, here's a curious question yeah, I assume that much like addiction, anorexia doesn't go away. I assume that, I mean, you even said that there are days you, you ask yourself if you need to eat. Um, mm -hmm. Does adding muscle, I also know that anorexics look in the mirror and 
do not think they're thin enough. So does adding <laughs> muscle, does that contradict? Because it adds weight. It adds, I, I, I'm, I'm curious. Pulse. Yeah. Does, so does that, does your brain revolt against the idea of bulking out? I, I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> okay. That uh, adds up. Right. And you're in most gyms, right? Most gyms are wall-to-wall mirrors, which I don't understand. Um, because you're looking at your form, or in the case of narcissistic vain <laughs> people, you're just enjoying watching yourself. Interjecting a trainer thing, oftentimes it messes up form more than anything. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because people are squatting, right? And they're looking at a mirror, and all of a sudden they're up on their toes and not in their heels because they think that they're out of alignment. Ah, um, interesting. Yeah. So, so... um yeah, but where I was at the time, I was always in front of a mirror. And it was, I I would, oh, I have not a lot of love for this coach at, the, at that time. Um, but I, I would wind up cry, ending my day in tears most of the time. Because I had to sit there for an hour staring at myself and I hated what I saw. But you kept doing it. Yeah, I kept doing it, yes. Why? Because like, I needed to lift every weight in that room. Just uh, just some internal drive. I had I had a point to prove. An obstacle that you had to remove. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. And I loved the feeling of... I loved the feeling of power. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, to say, are you all better? I don't know. Because I still love the feeling of being strong and powerful. And that's very much the same feeling that I had from, you know, it's the same joy that I had from running, from anorexia. It's the same kind of joy. It's just a healthier way to get it. So have you ever done 12-step groups for eating disorders? Not for eating Or any kind of support group? I have. Um, There's a lot of addiction in my family. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) I do think they're closely related. So I've done a lot of, I've, I've done more Al-Anon programs. Okay. Yeah, that works. I was just curious. If you hadn't, I, I would I would be so bold as to suggest it. But <laughs> I mean, because you found your own ways of, of conquering the behavior, but understanding the mindset behind it has been for me, like an extremely important part of actually becoming like a real boy. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, that, so now... You you are you you've probably at this point lifted every weight in that gym. Well, no, but I do understand that that's not possible to do all at the same time. <laughs> so you you've gone into business though. You're you're over time your entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. Combined with this insane drive you seem to have, how does how does your experience and your personality type apply to the creation of what I hear is a successful business? Um. Well, I think I guess that's the big question right there. Do you consider your business successful even if everyone else does? I, I do. I, I do, but it, not for the same reasons that I think other people see. Okay. Um, I have young ladies that I had, you know, I had them in high school and they're now off at college and they're making sure that they're getting their time in the weight room. Um, and, 
and and they're speaking up. They're speaking up for that time. And so that's where that's where I feel that I've been successful. Well, hey. Um, <laughs> I'm successful because my volleyball players understand that they don't get they, that they get ACL tears more than the boys do. Um, and the way you counteract that, I, I'm successful because my girls get the message. Um, I think people look at it and say, wow, you've really grown this solid client base very quickly and they've stuck with you. And, um, and you know, and I do work with adults as well, but the girls are where I'm really trying to get that message through. Um, and so, you know, People look outside and they say, you've got this client base, you've, you're, you're an independent, you have your own business, um, that's where your success is. And I go, mm, I have three or four girls that are making sure they're getting their time in the gym when they're at college. That's where my success is. So you've accomplished your own goals and at the same time accomplished everyone else's perception of the parameters for success. Now let's jump back to... All right, clearly you, you have a motive for your concern about uh, the encouragement of female athletes. <laughs> um, so, okay, we've, we, we've talked about, you know, how you got into more individual sports and, and you've said you remained athletic. Where is mm -hmm. it that you most see the lack of support for high school and college female athletes? Um, in the cross training. They, they, they are not... So you see, you have your football team, right? And those football players are in the gym the or in the weight room. The football players has designated times in the weight room. Um, and then where I see the greatest lack is the girls don't. They don't, they don't even always get in the weight room every week. And nobody's fighting for them wow, to that have that. That is actually a big deal right there. It's a huge deal. Um, women have more ACL tears by far, and I forget the exact number. The um, I used to know that off the top of my head. Um, but they have so many ACL tears, and you know that can that can ruin. I mean, surgeries come a long way, right? But that can still that can really hinder your ability to have a productive life. And most high school athletes are not going to be athletes. They are going to go out. They're going to get a desk job. They're going to have kids. They're going to want to go hiking. They're, they're going to want a life. And if you have a knee or a back injury, because of something you did when you were in the 12th grade or 11th grade, that's going to suck. Um, so the, you prevent that with proper cross training. And women at are, are at a higher risk for injury. One, they're not in the weight room. And two, they... Um, there, we're just we are built differently. We're built differently. Um, a lot of knee injuries come from how our hips are sitting, and who who has their hips checked out? Who's doing hip exercise? You know, they're not in there lifting. Um, and then, so yeah, that I'm very passionate about that because because they're just getting neglected, and that's not to say I understand. I understand financially football and boys basketball is where schools get their funding. I don't want to take away any of their money. 
I want their programs to be successful. I want these girls to be able to lift up their nieces and nephews. I want them to be able to play with their kids. I want them to go hiking when they're 40. Um, And, you know, it's not just about the short term who's bringing in the revenue. So what do you do to advocate in this area? Um, I, I very passionately talk about it, um, amongst, amongst my parents, the, um, you know, because it takes, it also takes a pretty, there are pretty cool parents out there today, right? Um, well, they're, they're my age now. Um, and we're a little bit more aware of that importance than, than my parents' generation was. But so... It's very slow. It's you get the, I have those handful of girls that have come to me for their training. And those girls are, for the most part, looking for that college scholarship. Um, but once you connect with those parents and then you start talking to them about, look, when they're in season, because they're not with me usually in a season. It's too much stress um, for full on strength training. Sure. The um, so in season. I like, well, basketball's just started. So one of the moms said, can you write a, a lifting program for them, for them to do during season? Because they, that's when they need to be doing a lot of their single leg work um, to keep the tendons healthy, to w- keep those knees able to handle the jumps. So I will, I write them up and then the whole team does them. Um, so it is very much, I have my one connection and then I help them take that to their team. Um, it also helps that a lot of my parents have become involved lately in the coaching area. So, you know, I have an in there. One of my um, one of my college girls, she goes to a college near here. She felt like she wasn't getting the proper support from their trainer. So they very much had a coach that would listen to her. And she said, this is what we need. We need to get Elizabeth in here. Or we we need somebody in here to help us know what to do. Um, so they, he brought me in as an independent contractor. You need to find those people that are going to help you spread your message. Because I'm just one voice, really. I'm one voice working out of my garage. Um, so... I very much had to get the word out, just really one kid, one parent at a time. And it really has spread. So the only reason I have any idea what you're talking about right now is because I recently started (laughs) um, uh, working on an application for or with a strength trainer at a university. Mm -hmm. And this application will be like a subscription web application that really it it assists in building the strength programs for a whole team but with individualization capabilities makes that's it, awesome it it actually like i'm learning a lot about the field just building it and i totally i'm, I'm going to send you a link to it so you can <laughs> offer your own critique of it thank um, you <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah um i do think that you you have a voice in that community, clearly. 
Um, mm-hmm. You have the client base to, even if you're only talking to the parents of your own clients, I think that what you're doing is probably effective work. I mean, you don't need to be lobbying uh, school boards to to change things if you can if you can change the minds of parents. Right, and I used to I used to really struggle with that um, when I first started because I had this big message. I had this big message. You know, when, you know, when you're young and you start something, you you expect everyone to stop and listen to you. Idealism. Yeah, <laughs> I'm familiar. <Right. laughs> Um, and so, but then, you know, as you kind of realize, you know, nobody really wants, big groups don't want to sit and listen to what you have to say, um, no matter how important your message is. But once you kind of get the, those ears turned of those individuals, um, and then they start spreading that message, then you realize you really can have a, this much bigger, it's a much bigger impact than going to talk to a school board. Yeah. Um, because it that's how you change a culture. That you change a culture by getting the grassroots levels, one person at a time, to listen to you, to start spreading that word. And you know, they've all they all know someone who has an ACL injury, and most of the time it's a girl. So <laughs> facts help. I will mention at this point that you do have a personal blog at uh, warriorgirllifting.wordpress.com where you you talk about a lot of these it, th- things that you wouldn't mention on a business website but <laughs> but but dive into these kind of more fascinating areas of the conversation around this uh-huh <laughs> i'm a little bit like now i use that very much as a diary too so you see some of my like wow this girl is has dysfunction um <laughs> it's very it's very real i find that very uh, admirable just so you know <laughs> um but you know it's the ugly truth that you, we all have these ugly truths that we don't like to talk about um and so and you will find a lot of a lot of, wow, this girl put up. So through what I call my recovery, which very much is with my lifting, um, the you see a lot of that dysfunction come through um, because it is very much on what my coach at the time would say to me and how I responded to it or how it destroyed, because it would destroy me. Um, and then how I would come back from that. Um it is very much changing now, I'm, and, I, and I did take some time off from it. Um, I got a new coach. I really needed to adjust my head. I needed to focus on my business, so I took some time off from it. And now that I'm back, I do notice how different it is. Not that I'm a different person, just how differently I process things now. Sure. If I can tell you how I relate to that in a very abstract way, I yeah. went to, after after not doing well in a uh, computer science program at a university, I went to art school, uh, Minneapolis College mm-hmm. of Art and Design, and we would have long classes. Some of them were five hours long. And some of those classes at the end of a project would be critique classes. And as, as tough as I had gotten at that point, and uh, admittedly as high as I was at that point, I would still leave some of those critiques crying. And 
it felt it felt like everyone was out to get me like they just wanted mm. to find everything that was wrong and these these are people who were young enough that they hadn't learned how to start a critique with a compliment yet oh so yeah they would just launch right into every flaw they could find and it mm. was encouraged to find flaws and at the time that seemed just sadistic to me and over time, as I began to look at the finished products that I came out with after being able to pick myself up after a critique and really consider what had been said and make the changes I felt were valid, I now, at this point in my life, I welcome those. Like, I'm like, tear it apart, you know, please. And, yeah. And it, it has made me better in everything I do, just learning how to... Those things that used to make me cry mm -hmm. now are extremely constructive. Like I need them almost. Well, no, I do need them. <laughs> so I feel like I'm reading uh, your uh, Lifting with the Big Boys post on your personal blog. Uh-huh. And, and you do, you, you, you refer to Coach and Junior. And the dynamic yeah. is, I really appreciate this blog, I think. <laughs> this, this, I mean, you could be an amazing trainer, but without this backstory, you would be just, uh, I don't know. Can I say meathead? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you can. <laughs> this, this, this bring, this makes you a whole person in, and I, I hope you send your clients here as well. Although you might separate this more. I, I do. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Um, the see, I'm always open to business suggestions, so I will take that one. Um, the I would not be the the biggest compliment. So he has very much turned me into the athlete that I am, um, and he's very much changed. I have the best coach now. I just have the best coach who who can handle me now, but I don't think I would have ever realized what I needed without what I had. If you had this coach 10 years ago, would you have still thought he was the best, he or she, no. I don't know, but was the best no. coach? No. Yeah. Okay. Um, not at all. I, cause I really needed, I really needed this whole process, um, to appreciate what I have the, um, and to understand how he's communicating. And, you know, 10 years is a lot of, maturation on everybody's point uh, on everyone's part right sure um so you would hope anyway yeah one would <laughs> hope <laughs> the, um but i will say one of the things and and i do because i i was very blessed with an athlete who is very much like me um <laughs> about a year year and a half ago um, and when I realized how much her mindset was like mine, one of the things I said is I will not be the coach that my old coach was. Um, and she is off at college now and she's flourishing and we Skype once a week and, you know, we have this relationship now past that. And the young woman that she's turned into is remarkable and you know, I very much learned how to coach based on I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that voice in her head. Um, so I think that that's huge because I will always have my old coach's voice in my head. 
playing I, some kind of game. I imagine that people with your personality type are amazing at turning around things that were bad, but then good for them into things that can be just good. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so I will admit I've lost track of time or I did lose track of time. Now I'm aware of time. How oh, much time okay. do you have? I am on vacation today. Okay. I'm going to take advantage of that because okay. there's one more topic I want to hit before we, uh, <laughs> before we switch to doing the top three picks. And so you listed your hobbies when we were setting up this, uh, this episode and a lot of gaming, which is actually what my top three picks are going to be based on your interest in gaming. Um, but the last one you listed was knitting. And (laughs) I need to tell you that I have just very recently after doing a, a basket making project, just because like on a whim, basically I, I started weaving a basket with materials from down by the river. And, um, I suddenly developed this interest in crafting in general. And Mm -hmm. the first thing that, that I wanted to expand that to was crochet and knitting. And I, I don't know where I'm going to start with it yet. I'll figure it out. There's a group that meets at the library, which is, I assume stereotypically probably going to be older women. And I have learned that I learn best from older women. Uh, so, <laughs> so I'm curious about that. But what is your what what does knitting do for you? It is a rhythm. It's a rhythm. The when I would find that happy place when I was running, it was the way the rhythm of my feet hitting the ground. Do you knitting count when is you the run? Same. I don't count, I, but see, I, I can't listen. Help it. <laughs> I do one, two, three, four, one, two, three, four. Yeah, don't do that. But I, (laughs) I, and I don't, the words aren't even thump, thump, but I have a sound in my head for how my feet hit the ground. And it's that rhythm that I'm looking for. Knitting is the same thing when you knit and purl, knit and purl, knit and purl. Um, And I do, I say the words in my head. I'm working on a scarf right now, and it's taking so much longer than I think it should. Um, (laughs) Well, that's usually the way. (laughs) I was going to say, you seem like the kind of person who would sit down, and before you realize what was happening, you'd have like a 20-foot scarf. (laughs) I wish wish (laughs) knitting were the same thing. Maybe that's why I like it so much. It slows me down. Um, It lets me catch a breath. Interesting. but because I say the words knit and purl, whatever whatever stitch I'm doing, um, I actually say the words every time I'm doing it. And so I have a friend that just zips. She's, there's a sock. And I don't, you know, I'm like, wow, I haven't even finished a row. Um, the, <laughs> it's very frustrating. I love her to death. <laughs> the, um, the, so, but I don't think she has to say the words. So I think she just does it. Is it that you have to say the words or the words just happen? Like oh. you could you could probably, I assume, knit without saying the words if you really put your mind to it. But it sounds like naturally. Probably. It's just a natural thing for me. So do you find while you're doing this fairly repetitive task mm-hmm. that your mind opens up to other thoughts? Or does it does it silence your mind and that's it your silences goal. my mind. 
And that is why I say the words, because that's the only thing. My brain is always going. So it's it does a meditation not shut of off. sorts. So, yes. Oh, Al's going to love that. Right? Because <laughs> I don't <laughs> meditate. <laughs> it sounds like you do, though. With my knitting, yes. Yeah. I will say that I do. I used to work factory jobs just because I could get... Uh, okay, so A, my mind is obsessed with efficiency. So mm -hmm. I enjoy sitting down to do something repetitive and boring and figuring out the most efficient way to do it. Like to me, that's a challenge that is actually very relaxing. Um, mm -hmm. In those jobs, I did, however, find that once I got the muscle memory and a system that I could truly appreciate figured out that I would then be free in my mind, my almost my subconscious mind would just start solving problems and I found it both productive and relaxing at the same time. Uh, then I developed some serious noise sensitivity and factories became very um, bad for me. But mm. I do, I kind of get that. Uh, I think maybe that's why that was the first thing that my brain was interested in. Just because I've had positive reinforcement, like personal reinforcement from that kind of activity in the past. Plus, right. when you're done, you get something you can use and keep. And my sister knitted me a hat once, and I awesome. still have it, and I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, the Yeah, and actually, the first, I always knit gifts for people, and then I wind up not giving them to them. <laughs> because I have a whole plastic bin of gifts for people that I never give um, because why, why? there's always something wrong. Oh, there's I was going to say, is it, it's wrong. either, it's either selfishness, like you want to keep it or you're not satisfied well, no. with it. And then I don't, I don't use it because it's not for me. It's for someone <laughs> else. I would totally wear the crazy stuff I make, um, but it's not for me. It's for someone else, but I can't give it to them. So except for my mom, like last year I gave her a headband and it looked like a second grader did it in art class. It was hideous. And my poor mother, she's 75 years old, wears this every time. She, I don't think she wears it except if she knows she's going to see me. Um, and then she'll say, oh, it's so lovely. And I'm like, you look like you look like my six-year-old niece did this. <laughs> um, so just tell people she did, please. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what I would do if it were me. I would... Uh, start working on a stop motion movie project about the relationships between the bin of rejected <laughs> knitting projects and, and what kind of personalities they develop knowing that they just weren't good enough. Well, I found a little <laughs> trick. So here's, you can take this if you start knitting. Um, I found a pattern last year. So the first gift I gave to someone other than my mom um, was last Christmas and it, it's a beautiful cowl. It's beautiful, but it's a pattern and I chose yarn that hides the flaws. So I can't even find them. And, and I have an eye for my mistake. Believe me, I can, I can see my mistakes where they don't even exist and I can't even find them. So I finally gave that away and that was very freeing. You'll have to, at some point, send me details on what kind of yarn hides flaws. <laughs> Okay. I feel that's going to be uh, uh, very important as I get started. Very expensive. It's cashmere. Uh, oh. I can only afford one of those a year. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that brings us to our top three picks. 
And yes. the way this works is we go back and forth one at a time and you get to start. Oh, awesome. My first one is Pandemic Reign of Cthulhu, um, which is a board game. And that sounds like a Slayer song. <laughs> wow, that's a blast from the past. <laughs> <laughs> I'm changing number three to Slayer right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a co-op where you are fighting the ancient god Cthulhu. Seems very appropriate for recent history. What do you mean by co-op? Um, so all the players are playing together. Okay. Which means I play two-player with my husband um, because I don't like getting too bossy with other people. Um, I try to be nice in real life. I really do. The um, So we are working together as a team. We each have our individual turns, but we can share cards. We can share information. Um, in the regular, in regular pandemic, your, your bio, your, your, um, your scientists trying to stop, um, biohazard or, or you're stopping the spread of pandemics. Um, this one just has a nice little, a nice little trick to it. Instead of pandemics, you're trying to fight cult, cultists and ancient gods. Okay. So the the idea of a board game that you play as a team is intriguing to me. How does the goal of the game get set? The well in this specific one and in most ones um you uh, your goal you win together or you lose together. So and we've lost plenty to be honest. <laughs> The um, but so your goal is to close the portals in Reign of Cthulhu. Your goal is to claim to close the portals into the other world. Um, and if you don't succeed in doing that, and and there are several ways. The only way to win is to close those portals together. So we're all off doing our own missions. We're in different cities. We're doing our own thing. Um, but we're working together and sharing information. Um, and then, so the only way to win is to close those portals. There are several ways to lose. Um, so, and if you lose, then you, the, everybody on the board loses. That is, uh, I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by the concept. I have not played a board game like this. It also seems to go uh, contradictory to what I have assessed as your personality thus far. It is completely contradictory. <laughs> oh, it's completely contradictory. Um, we started with co. We stopped gaming. Any co We stopped video gaming. We stopped board gaming. We stopped everything a few years ago because, as my husband says, I turn everything into a full contact sport. <laughs> I want to win. That sounds right to me. <laughs> I will take everyone down in the process. Uh, so when we came back. Our solution to board gaming, our solution was co-ops are relatively new. Um, let's try this and let's try getting along. And if we can't get along here, then we're not going to start gaming again. Are, um, so, so was this so, a result of incidents prior? Are you a, <laughs> are you a sore loser? I'm not a sore loser. I don't lose. That, that's how we offset that. I don't lose. Do people let you win just because they're scared of what would happen if they don't? No, no, because we re like in the last probably about a year ago, we found a board gaming group. I didn't know this 
this world existed. Um, I mean, I knew about the Dungeons and Dragons groups because I have been part of them. But um, the and that's kind of co-op gaming, Dungeons and Dragons, um, Pathfinder. That's another sure. big one. Uh, the, all those role-playing games. That that's kind of you're individuals, but you're working together. Yeah. Um, so it is very much along that line. But we found a board gaming group, and I will tell you, I I'm a big so I'm not very techy, but I'm a big geek. And so are all these people. And these people don't like to lose either. Um, so I did, I had to learn to lose in that world. But it's, I have found, I don't know if this is age. I don't know what it is, but I'm having a lot more fun. I'm just, I'm enjoying it. And I'm not a social person. Well, all of my clients are one-on-one or one-on-two. Um, the, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not really a social person. That's very much my social group is my board gaming group and I want to have fun. And I, I've learned to do that, whatever I'm, I'm beginning to learn to enjoy the process of things, which is not something I knew how to do before. That's growth. So I, I would add to this pick. Have you heard of a game called space team? Yes. Have you played it? I've not played it. Oh man, I would highly recommend this. It is it is a game based on shouting. It is a game <laughs> based on um uh it's it 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 encompasses kind of teamwork but competing against each other. You get to be frustrated with other people who can't see their own screens. Like everyone plays it on their phone and directives come up. You get a directive that you probably can't fulfill. And mm-hmm. everyone has a different screen and you have to tell them, you have to tell the whole group because you don't know who will be able to accomplish this task. But everyone is doing it at once. The features of the game are listed as teamwork, confusion, shouting, an ultimate, <laughs> an untimely demise, beveled nano buzzers, auxiliary technoprobes, and four-stroke pluckers. Um, and it's, it's a ridiculous game that leads to both hilarity like I have never, I have gotten frustrated during a game, uh-huh. but it has always ended in laughter. Uh, I would say it is a good <laughs> social game for people that don't want to sit down for an involved campaign type game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It sounds like something you might enjoy. Would I run the risk of saying something I could never take back? Oh, absolutely. Oh, perfect. But what <laughs> happens in Space Team stays in Space Team. That's my okay. philosophy. All right. All I right. will check that out. So I am doing all games for my picks. Um, uh, one game, these are also all iOS games, although I believe some of them are available on Android. Um, mm-hmm. But they are all phone games. There is one called Tengami that I just learned about doing a Mac Voices episode um, gift guide. Tengami is a gorgeous game. Uh, the illustration and gameplay is smooth, relaxing. The soundtrack is very, we'll say, zen. Um, and it's actually available separately, uh, the, the soundtrack for it. But <laughs> I... it, it is, it's a game that is truly a joy to play. It's a puzzle game. You, you have to move parts of the the scenery and it's all kind of based on the idea of paper you like fold things over to get where you need to go solve puzzles it's kind of fascinating but even more so just a delight to 
C. Mm. And I'm finding those games very appealing. Like uh, Alta's Adventure was the first one that really... Have you ever played that? Do you play iPhone games? I don't that often. Um, but I have heard of Alta's. Yeah, Alta's Adventure is amazing. Uh, just as far as the soundtrack and the simple beauty of the gameplay, this is mm-hmm. this is similar. Less Altos is constant action. There's always something moving. This is you can just stand still and assess situations. <laughs> uh, there's no pressure. It's very I don't know. It's a it's kind of a, its own genre of games. I mean, there's a genre, but it's separate from most iPhone games and even iPhone puzzle games. Uh-huh. So that's is it, my... Is it a zen-like quality? Very much so. Okay. I like those types of things. Yes, I, I do think you would enjoy it because you can create your own rhythm to the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All well, right. I'm for my second pick, I am I'm getting away from the games for a second to say my double lacrosse ball is making me very happy this week. So I am recovering from yet another injury and I've just gotten back into lifting. And the double lacrosse ball is a mobility ball um, that you just roll around on and dig in. And it's very uncomfortable when you're doing it. Um, But it is like a little massage and it is fantastic. I would not be able to sit here for an hour if I hadn't done it this morning. So extremely happy for that. Is double uh, a brand name um no so you can you can get just the single lacrosse ball and i have several i have a lacrosse ball in every bag that i own um and in my car and at my mom's house everywhere i have one in case i need it um but the double lacrosse ball is just there's two of them and they're stuck together you can even take tennis balls and tape them together to create that double and um and you just roll it into your muscles, especially down your spine. So you don't actually put it on your spine. Um, it sits on each side of it. And, and it's just, it's wonderful for mobility. This is intriguing. Um, Amazon. Is there, <laughs> a, uh, is there a specific brand you'd recommend? Uh, no. Is there a specific material you'd recommend? Um, I, well, you want the lacrosse ball. So that, that is... Are these actual that, balls you would play lacrosse with? They're actual lacrosse balls. Okay. Um, so they're hard. Yeah. They're small and they're hard. Uh, when people can't find them or don't want to spend the $3, the single one is like $3, $4. I tell them get a tennis ball. Um, to my high school girls, when they, when they first come in, I just give them a tennis ball to use. But the hard the lacrosse balls are a little harder, which makes them really nice and painful. So, but, <laughs> I'm assuming that no one plays lacrosse with double lacrosse balls. No, they don't. Yeah, they just use them for mobility. I just found them. They look like uh, unusable dumbbells. They're fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is I I have I've been doing yoga lately, and when I first started my the like outside of my hip region i don't remember that there's a it band i think yeah would be what it's referred to as i had to roll those out on a roller before i could even get started um so this looks like something that might be useful in that area as well oh excuse me um it would be the, the you want to 
So when the roller is no longer like you feel like, oh, I've stretched it out enough. We could, you know, when the first time you lay on the roller on your IT bands, I'm sure it wasn't comfortable. No. Um, once you lay on it and you don't really feel that discomfort anymore, then it's time to get a little smaller and a little harder. That's very intriguing and also something I would follow up on. I yeah. still there I have a lot of immobility in that area, but I am to a point where the roller doesn't seem to do much anymore. Uh, have you tried the roller with the there's little knobs on it almost? So the it one almost... that I use has like not knobs so much as like a a pattern molded around the outside. Oh, okay. So it has some kind of um I would say the effect of very low profile knobs. Okay. But no, I haven't tried a spiky one at all. Those are th those are delightful too. Intriguing. <laughs> all right. So as I said, second pick of mine is going to be a game. Uh, I got into a game after reading a review by John Voorhees on Max Stories. I picked up a game called Mini Metro. And it is, you design transit systems it's Ooh. bizarre i i don't and i i've never spent a lot of time in a city that had a subway system that i could afford to ride um at the time i was living in the city so <laughs> um this one like so i have no like basis for how it should work and the game doesn't uh -huh. give you instructions or strategy it just you just jump in and you start to learn by failing and it shows you like as new stations pop up it shows you like all the people waiting there and you need to get them to where they need to go as quickly as possible because once a station overfills you lose and Any do you station. have to build the actual train line well you just the metro you drag. Line? so you drag a line from one station to an existing station to make a hub okay and then you connect things and you can have multiple lines running to a single destination, you know. And so basically you would be like, you had to switch from the B train to the A train. And so you create the most efficient paths you can between, you know, and then you have to wait. There's a clock that kind of shows passing time. And as time passes, you'll be given additional lines additional locomotives additional um bridges tunnels that you can then use mm -hmm. so you have to strategically figure out whether you should use up a tunnel to get past the river or not or you know a bridge to get across the river a tunnel to get through populated area whatever um mm -hmm. and you don't if you have no experience like me <laughs> you guess a few times, you see the results, and then you modify strategy. I have gotten way better at it since I first started, uh, where I would die within the first four stations. <laughs> but uh, I'm still not good at it. But it's the kind of game that there's enough positive reinforcement after a failure that you want to try again. Uh huh. And those are the games I most appreciate. Am I tempting this you? This is really. I, I am. I'm very tempted by that one. Oh. You know, the, the idea that you can die within four stations and then come back and go again. I mean, right. that, I'm all there's about a, that. There's a magic formula, and as someone who who has a lot of experience with games, I think you understand that 
you want something to be difficult. If something's too easy to start with, you get uh-huh. bored. But if something's uh-huh. too hard to start with, you don't you, you don't understand or you don't feel like there's a worthwhile factor to the time investment. Right. Well, what is the point? So there's this magic medium where things are difficult, but you can see that you could get further and it makes you want to repeatedly try until you have sat on the toilet for too long. <laughs> um, that's where these games happen, I think, for everybody. For most people, yeah. These are bathroom games. All right. So, number three for you. My third one is Patchwork, which I play on my phone. Um, so, it's a board game. and you, Or you can play it on your phone. Or I'm, I'm sure they make it for the iPad as well. Um, the, I have a Samsung, so I can only speak to Google, um, or the Android, but I do believe that my friends have it because you can either play it with your friends or you can play against the computer. It is, you are making a quilt out of leftover, out of scraps of fabric, but it's very Tetrisy. So the, all the fabric is different pieces and you have to fit this together and envision where things are going. Um, and you can play against somebody or you can play against the computer and usually you come up with this weird looking quilt, but there's something nostalgic about it, about taking it back to the Tetris days. And yet there's this added element that you see a piece coming up that you want and somebody else takes it from you. Um, that's really very interesting about it. And it winds up and it's gorgeous with the different colors of fabric. Yeah. I was really against this game when I first saw it in board game version because I thought this is something that men buy to try to get their wives to play board games. So I didn't play it for like a is year. That a thing? <laughs> there is. That is a thing. <laughs> um, uh, some of these online groups that I'm in, it's always these guys coming in and they're like, how do I get my wife to play board games? <laughs> I, okay, so I mean, I'm fascinated to begin with that the idea that there are like board game groups. So this is all new to me. <sighs> I did have early on in this podcast, I did have a board game designer on, and I had so many questions, a lot of them about gameplay, and he answered a lot of them. But wow, yes. I'm gonna have to search back for that one. Amazon was- does have a, a an existing search for board games for women. <laughs> Really? Yeah. I hadn't gone that far because, you know, I'm I'm already involved. Um, <laughs> I would yeah. say look at my game shelf. But I, I can see I can see that not all women. It is still predominantly a, a boy thing. I mean, even the girl, geek world. Um, it seems like everything you do is predominantly a boy thing. <laughs> it goes back to my childhood. Sure. I'm well, you know, I got into Dungeons and Dragons because of my brother. Um, whenever yeah, I never knew a single girl. Person. I never knew a single girl who played D and D. Really? I didn't play D and D, but all my mm-hmm. friends did, and it was definitely a sausage party down in those basements. My husband never did, and then the so we go to a gaming convention in Indianapolis, and so I I made him. See, I should have the how do you get your husband into gaming? <laughs> Forget the wife thing. Um, so I made him sign up for a Dungeons and Dragons learn to play thing. 
and you go in there. We were at a table, right? And we needed we needed an extra person. I love this story. So I'm just going to tell it totally off topic. This this he's we needed an extra person in our DM called someone over and she sits down she was five or six years old in pigtails and she's the daughter of another dm and this girl was schooling us i was there to support my husband learning how to play because i know how to play but um she she was schooling us and she was the same character as him and he failed his role (laughs) she looks at him she goes don't worry i got this (laughs) And she she gets a critical hit. I mean, she was amazing. Um, if we don't have children, but I said to Alan, if we had children, I would want her. Um, so, but so there, but there are there's quite a few women in that room, and it's a huge ballroom. And I feel like there were quite a few women in there. I uh, I've been really into a game on my phone called Dungeon Boss. Uh-huh. Which is kind of based on a lot of the D&D principles. Um, and I have been repeatedly shocked to find out the players that I team up with are 9 and 10 years old. <laughs> and the only girls I've ever, like, I mean, you're it's an online game. You're relatively anonymous. But the only people who have come like are publicly female are all under the age of 12. Uh, I love that. I love that. It is intriguing to me. It, it, I, I, abhor- I find the misogyny among the players ab- abhorrent. Um, yeah. It's a, like the gaming world to me as mostly an outsider has always seemed very, very not just male dominated, but straight up misogynistic. Um mm-hmm. It's kept me away from getting into many of those games. But also a lot of Trump supporters in that chat room. It's I found, oh, it, no. I found it frightening. Um but anyway, I, I avoid <laughs> flame world. wars in video game chat rooms. Anyhow. Oh the uh, um you know, you say that and I'm finding I'm finding when I think about it, the it is just as bad in the game world. From what I observe, and I have a really great group of people, right? If you're not a great person, there I just don't have time. Um, the and and I I don't mean that as as a judgment call, but you have to. I'm not going to game with a bunch of uh, with a bunch of guys, guys, and it's not going to happen. Um, so my group, I just happen to fall into this really amazing group, and it is predominantly male, but we're there to game, um, and then but. When when I do hear these stories from other people, and I and I, I I feel bad, I feel awful, but I do think it sounds as bad as being in the weight room. And you would think that the geek world, you know, I I'm I think like it's worse because you're way more anonymous. Like people can say anything they want, threaten you any way they want to, whereas face oh, to face, they'd be a lot more intimidated. Well, and I'm talking about gaming face to face where uh, you're. Okay. Yeah. I think anything in a chat room is worse. Yes. Yes. Anything online. Yes. On Twitter, on Facebook, in email. Oh, I have heard don't some read the comments things. on Facebook. Really I, don't. I'm learning that the hard way <laughs> the last three weeks. I, 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 uh, my wife at one point had a post on Facebook that was uh, controversial. 
And I warned her not to read the comments, but she couldn't help it. And she did not go to bed that night and she cried a lot. And I think she learned a lesson. Just don't read the comments. People are idiots. It's really hard not to, but... I've but gotten yeah, good he... at it. I've been blogging long enough. I've gotten good at it. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Uh, by the way, Patchwork is available for iPhone and iPad for three bucks on the oh, iTunes app store. Perfect. I assume it's a similar price for Android. Yes. All right. So my last pick is an, a game called Monument Valley. It is another gorgeous game. Um, I don't know how to describe it. it. There there are puzzles that are very M.C. Escher-ish puzzles where you have to you turn pathways. You, you need to build a pathway to a goal for the little princess character. Um, and in order to do that, there are different types of you know sliding and turning and rotating mechanisms. And as you turn things, you can you can rotate the entire puzzle around in three dimensions. And as you turn things, uh, like an M.C. Escher staircase, uh, they don't always do... Things can turn upside down. All of a sudden, you can walk sideways on something if you turn it at the right angle based on perspective. And once it looks like you can walk on it, you can walk on it. It's uh, It's kind of fascinating. What, what is the name of this again? Mo- Monument Valley. It is available for iOS and Android and on the Kindle Fire, uh, Windows Phone, and Samsung Galaxy. So if you go to monumentvalleygame.com, you'll find it. Also a great soundtrack. Also beautiful. Fits into my theme here, I guess. Yeah, so far. Yeah, all three of yours you said were beautiful. <laughs> and had soundtracks. <laughs> I would say Mini Metro isn't beautiful. I enjoy the minimalism of the gameplay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, that's three and three. So excellent picks all around. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll speak for yours. I won't speak for mine. But you can be found. Uh, your personal blog is at warriorgirllifting.wordpress.com. You're mm-hmm. also on Facebook as Elizabeth Trains. Yeah. Uh, anywhere else you want to mention that people should visit? Oh, uh, not at the moment. No. Coming soon, we'll say. Coming soon, yes. You'll announce it and on I, your blog I'll, and Facebook. I will. I will. I will blast it everywhere. All right. Uh, let me know too if you want to update show notes later on. And okay. I can, I can retroactively add additional links. All right. Thank and you. I am Brett Terpstra. I am at uh, TT Scoff Everywhere, Twitter, GitHub, Last FM, anything you want. Um, and uh, I blog at brettterpstra.com. You can follow Systematic on Twitter at S Y S T M C A S T, Systemcast. And if you go to signup.systemcast.com, spelled the same way, you can also join the Slack room and get into the conversations we're having there. Uh, and add your own suggestions for top picks as well, uh, or even your own guest suggestions. So uh, come interact, go review Systematic on iTunes. I haven't asked anyone to do that for a long time, but I do enjoy those reviews. <sighs> Thank you for being here, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Elle was right. This is a fascinating conversation. <laughs>
Hey, I didn't even say anything too embarrassing. So I, I feel like you're not a person who gets terribly embarrassed. <laughs> well, I usually say something that I question later on, but I don't think that happened today. Excellent. All right. Well, we will see everybody in a week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.